There's. Is this working all right? Can you guys hear me? All right. I was thinking they're supposed to be thankful when they get to get out of the sermon. So um, I'm happy to be able to talk to you today. Uh, Monica and I got to go up to Glacier National Park this week, um, and uh, it's just absolutely stunning. And we're talking about faithfulness, and when you get to see everything from the majesty of the mountains up there to the even the, the smallest little flowers, um, just incredible. It's easy to say, man, sure seems like there's a God. Uh, sometimes when we put the, uh, the details onto our, our, our walk of faith, sometimes it gets a little bit harder. So we're going to continue to talk through uh, this idea of the fruits of the Spirit, the fact that those of us who have put our faith in Christ, who have a relationship because of that with the Holy Spirit, that He works in our lives to produce fruit. And we're talking about the fruit of faithfulness today. So we'll see if this clicker works. Don, can you try clicking on the uh, middle of the screen there and... Maybe not. Okay. Well, Don, I'll just ask you to click through then. I did that? Okay. All right. There we go. So before we get in the text, uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll get in the message. Father, thanks so much for giving us an opportunity to think about faith today. Uh, God, we want to be faithful. Uh, we were just declaring in song so many things that we say we believe, uh, yet you know how we struggle to live out Uh, those beliefs as if they're true. And so we ask that you would strengthen us in our unbelief, that you would help us to have faith in you, in your promises, in your son. God, I'd ask that you would use this time to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to tell you about, when when we talk about faith, sometimes um, we're we're actually talking about something, and, and when you think it's a fruit of the Spirit, you think, is this a fruit that I have to like go out into the orchard and pick? Or is this the kind of fruit cocktail that mom puts in front of you and all you have to do is dig in, right? There's all kinds of different ways to get fruit. And I was thinking about times when you struggle with this idea of how you're supposed to get something. And I was thinking of a time when I first moved here to Cedar City, I went to Walmart. And I don't know if they still have it there. I, sh- I should have looked last time I was there. But they used to have a machine in the back that said water. And it was like 50 cents or something like that for a gallon of water. And me being somebody who loves a great deal, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I'm thirsty, and those little, the 16-ounce things cost like a buck fifty. so I'm going to get myself 50 cents for a gallon of filtered, purified water out of this machine. I'm like, you can't beat that. And because I'm an old guy, I actually have change in my pocket. So I, I pull out a quarter, and, and I go up to this machine, and I'm like, 50 cents for uh, a, a gallon of water, perfect. I put a couple quarters in, and I hit the big button there. You know what happens? So, this thing is designed so that you bring your own jug. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, I'm sitting here in front of this machine, and I'm like, press the button, and all of a sudden, this stream of water starts coming out, and all this stuff starts splashing out on the floor, and praise the Lord, there's a drain there. I guess they anticipate people like me trying to use it. But I'm sitting there for a good 30 seconds, staring at this thing, spraying out water, going, what do I do now? There's no jugs or anything around for me to use. And I'm thinking everybody walking by is like, what a maroon, you know. But, and so I didn't get any water and I lost 50 cents. But here's the thing is, is I didn't know what I was supposed to do to get that thing that was a great deal, right? And when it comes to this idea of faithfulness, I think there's an element to when we talk about faith. We have to ask ourselves the same question as, do we understand how to get this thing that God has, has given to us? Is it, is it just him 
like doling it out, or is there something that I have to do to receive it? And so we're going to talk about that today. And if this clicks, there we go. So we're going to be looking at Galatians 5, chapter, or verses 16 through 24, as we have been. I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of focus on verse 22, where it talks about faithfulness. So it says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Apparently there's a delay in this. Don, I think I need help. All right. <clears throat> Let's go back one. Oh, there. there you go. Okay. Sorry. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there at the end of verse 22 we have this idea of faithfulness. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today. And in order to do that I want to talk about just make sure we're all aware of what we're talking about when we talk about what it means to be faithful. Um, and then ask this question, is faithful up to me, or is it up to God, or is it up to both of us, or how does this work? And then once we've answered that, we can answer that last question is, if I want to be faithful, and we've just been singing about the fact that, you know, give me faith, we want to be faithful, so now what? What do I do with that? Um, and so when we get, get started with this idea of faithfulness, the, the Greek word that is used for faithfulness in this verse is a word that is used more often, many, 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 many times, like 238 times or something like that. Just, it's just simply translated as faith. And there's two different ways we think about faithfulness in our normal use of English. One is you say, man, that guy is really faithful, meaning like he always does what he says he's going to do. He's very dependable. He's very trustworthy. That's a slightly different word if we were going to use that in Greek. The, the word that we're talking about is the kind of faithful that says, full of faith, like actually trusts in something, right? That's the idea. And so if we look at this word, it's, in Greek it's pistis, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's, that's the word. If we look at it, there's thankfully a verse in the Bible that says exactly what it means. Okay, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So that's what we're talking about. When we say we are faithful... We're saying we're full of this conviction that things that we don't see are actually going to come to pass. We can have faith or trust in something happening even though we can't exactly see it. And, and so when we talk about being faithful, when, when this verse says there's a fruit of faithfulness, that the fruit is that we are filled with trust or the ability to have confidence in the fact that things that we can't see are actually going to happen. And, and I do want to take a second just to expound on this idea that the faith that is being talked about here, the faith that is talked about throughout the Bible, is not blind faith. Okay? We may not be able to see exactly what's coming, but our faith makes total sense. And so often, one of the strategies, I think, of the world to, to kind of push people off of faith in Christ is to say, oh, that's just blind faith. Like, there's no reason to actually believe. That's absolutely untrue. 
God calls us to reason together. And, and the Bible is full of a faith that is based on God acting and then people responding. So we have the historical truth of the fact that Christ walked the earth. We have the things in the Bible that if you put them into action, you say they're true and true and true again. We have prophecy that was written down hundreds of years before real events happen, and we can look back in history and say, that is exactly what God said would happen. The only person that could, could do a prophecy like that is somebody who was beyond time, who could see past what, what time really was. And so there's all these different things that come into faith that it's not at all blind. Here's an example that we all experience every day. I never, don't know if you've ever thought this way, and if you haven't, then I might be making you anxious here. But if you've ever been driven out on Highway 91, like going towards Maverick, you're going at about 50 miles per hour. Some of you are doing 70. You should stop. Okay? But you're going about 50 miles per hour, and there's another car going 50 miles per hour the opposite direction. You are closing at 100 miles per hour in two boxes of steel. And all it takes is for one of you to cross that yellow line, and things are going to go badly. Right? And yet you do that every day on whatever road you happen to be on. You're like, no big thing. I'm talking on the phone. I'm, I'm listening to my tunes. I'm chatting with somebody. I'm daydreaming. And you go whew, right past somebody when there's nothing keeping you safe. There's a yellow line. Okay? That's faith. It's totally reasonable faith because you've done it many, many, many times. And so far, somebody hasn't been texting when they've gone past you, right? And it makes sense to do that. Well, that's the same idea of faith that we're talking about here. Is it's a faith that is grounded in reliable facts. It's a faith that makes sense. It's not without risk. It's just those risks make sense to take. So when we talk about faith, as you can see, this thing is going all over the place. Um, when, when we talk about faith, we have to ask, so what's really my role in faith? What, what, what do I, if, if God is promising this fruit of the Spirit, how do I get that? Do I have anything to say about that? Or is it just something that I just reach up and pick? And here's what I want you to understand is, is in the Bible, faith is presented as both a gift and a fruit. We're talking about the fruit. But here's the idea of, of a gift. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. So this gift is something that you haven't... Uh, done anything to earn. It's just God going, here, here's some faith. Okay. If you've come to faith in Christ, if you've actually put your faith in Christ, he did something to start you down that road. He gave you a push. And some of you have been in times when you've been like, oh, I'm really nervous. Like, I'm nervous. I got to get up in front of talk and talk in front of all these people. And God just goes and gives you a little gift of faith. And you go, oh, thank you, Lord. I really, really needed that. But faith is also a fruit. That's what we just read in in. Uh, in verse five of Galatians, or, or verse twenty-two of Galatians five, so so this idea that that faith is a fruit—it's something that has uh, something more, a, a different characteristic than just being a gift—and and that's what I wanted to dig into: is how does this work together? How does this idea of me getting faith through my relationship with the Holy Spirit? How does that work? Okay. Um, so the first big idea, if it will ever click. There we go. Is that faith is relational. Okay. So here's what I mean is faith is not simply a gift is just here you go. It's just a transaction. 
The faith that is a fruit is relational. In other words, there's an interaction between God and us that brings us to that faith. It's not just that I just put my faith on or something like that. It's not just God acting independently, although he's in charge of everything. But we see this interplay of God's power, his divine sovereign power, and us responding to that. And so you may be familiar with John 3.16, very famous verse, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That part of the verse is all God. Okay? The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, so when, when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, it's not because we earned something. He just went, here you go. That is all God's divine, sovereign power, his love expressed for us. But how does that verse end? Any, any of you know how that verse ends? Yes. That whosoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. So, so there's this divine power that's exercised, and then we have to go, you know, he expects me to do something in response to that, not as a way of earning it, but as a way of entering into it. Okay? And that's the same idea that we have throughout this concept of biblical faith, is that God is doing stuff, and we have a responsibility or, or, or a need, or, or I'm not sure what the right term is, but we have to respond because God is not doing a transaction with us, he's asking us to enter into a relationship with him. So here's kind of how I think about this. There's like a cycle of faith. And, and the way it works is God acts, and he does something in me. Maybe it's the gift of faith. Maybe it's him putting people around me or something like that. And then in response to God's action, I have a, a choice to make. I have to actually trust in him. This is not working very well. Don, I'm just going to ask you to click, if that's okay. All right. So, so I, I've got to trust in him. Right? And, and when I trust in him, that's like driving down Highway 91 and just trusting that nothing's going to happen, even though I know it could be the end of me. Okay? Because I'm banking on the fact that God's actually out there. That's the whole idea of trust. And click again, please. And when I trust in him, God responds... And when God responds, you can click again, then my faith grows. Because I go, hey, I just trusted. God showed up like he said he would. And now here we go. And so now God acts again, and I trust again, and he responds again. And, and I get into this cycle. If I could make it bigger, it would get bigger every time because my faith grows and grows and grows as I see what God does. Here's the thing is, God always responds. And it's an entirely different story or an entirely different sermon to, to convince you of the fact that God always responds. Okay? But I'll just leave it at this, that when we put our faith in God, because he's who he is, because he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, because he was willing to send his son to die for us, you can trust that when you put your faith in him, he's going to respond. And he will respond every single time, but he will not respond every single second. And that's a super important caveat that I want you to understand. This cycle is not the prosperity gospel. This is not, hey, I trusted God to give me a watch, so he gave me a watch. Or I trusted God to give me a new car, so he gave me a new car. This is, I trusted God to do what he said he was going to do, and he did it. If you think about some of the heroes of the faith, like if you're familiar with the story of Peter, who was like Jesus' right-hand man while he was here on the earth. right? Peter was got to walk on water, got to spend all this time with Jesus, and then he denied Jesus 
right? And, and he's been wanting to put all his faith in Jesus, and then he finds himself in a place where he, he physically denies him three different times just as Jesus said he was. That was a total failure, okay? And he could have said after that, well, Jesus, I was praying to, to be yours and to be all that, but I wasn't. But what happens after that is Jesus, when he's resurrected, comes to Peter and says, hey, you know what? I still want you on my team. He says, I, I want you to feed my sheep. And if you think about another hero of the, the, the faith, Paul, who does all these amazing things and is used to do miracles and all this kind of stuff and, and wrote most of the books in the New Testament. So Paul gets shipwrecked and stoned and beaten and goes through all kinds of hardship. Okay? So this idea of, of living this cycle of faith is not an idea of me getting what I want. It's me being in God's will wherever that takes me. And sometimes it's kind of hard for a while, uh, but it's always Good. God's calling us not to Disneyland. He's calling us to an adventure that is far, far, far better than any Disneyland that you could ever imagine. So that's kind of the cycle of faith. And, and if you understand how that works, uh, you, you, you might say, hey, I want to be faithful. I want to do that. I want to have my faith grow. What do I do with that? I, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about uh, my friend Dave who bought a mountain bike at like a big box store and it was a, it was a cheap mountain bike and it like cost a hundred bucks or something like that. And he was up in Montana at the time, or I think actually, I think it was North Dakota and, and he'd never mountain bike before. So he takes this thing on this technical off-road trail and he's pat- biking along and he comes up to a big like step like this and goes off the side and the front wheel of the mountain bike just goes, okay. And it's no longer a circle. Okay. And now he's like trying to pedal. And it's like, ba-doom, ba-doom. So he had to actually pick it up and carry it back to his car. Okay? And, and why do I bring that up? Because a wheel that's not a circle doesn't roll. Okay? And, and it's important that we realize that, that we, are, we have a part in this cycle. Go ahead and hit the next slide, please. We, we have to do our part. We have to tr- trust God. And, and if we don't, then we get this out-of-round cycle that really isn't a cycle at all. Go ahead and hit the next slide. So, so this is what it looks like if I don't ever trust God. And so when we talk about this idea that, that we have this faithfulness that's part of the fruit of the Spirit, there's a dependency on me actually trusting God that builds that faith. And if I refuse to trust God, I never get to see his response. My faith never gets to grow. I, I never get to see God act more because... I didn't take the next step. I didn't take that necessary next step to to move forward. So let me tell you what this looks like kind of briefly in real life. When I graduated from college, I had done very well in college, and I was on my way to to be a pilot in the Air Force. I was kind of on cloud nine in terms of all the things of this world, and and my life was super empty. I, I knew that there was something that was wrong. I knew that I was missing something because I had all the things that they said you should have. I should be super happy, and I wasn't. And so I was fortunate because God had already acted in my life. I was fortunate to know that the answer lay someplace in God, and so I started to go to church. And so God acted to bring me to a point where I felt this need and to have given me people that would encourage me to go to the right place to fill that need. So I went to church, ended up meeting my wife there, praise the Lord, um, ended up getting involved with some people who helped me to grow and to understand where my trust needed to be, be laid and actually 
uh, I ended up putting my faith in Christ. That was God's response. And because he did that, I started to grow, and I started to put my faith in him in other ways. And this was like 30 years ago now, and I've gotten to see God work over and over and over again. And that's how that cycle works. If you're willing to put your trust in him, that's how he moves you through it. Next slide. But here's what I want you to, to think about now is, is if this is the way faith works, what do you do? If you were singing these songs we just sang that said, give me faith, and you really mean it, you should be asking, so, so what now, God? Do I sit and wait or do I do something? And, and here's what I want you to think about is, is you need to do your part in the cycle of faith. If you don't, you won't experience that growth in faith that God so much wants for you. And, and understand this, it's not because God's like, you're not good enough for me. It's, it's almost like God's saying, hey, if you will step over here, you'll be able to see me clearly. And, and so often we go, I think I can see a little bit from right here, God. He's like, no, if you will step over here, you will see me clearly. You will experience me fully. You will understand me better. But because of the risk of moving from here to there, we say, God, I don't think I want to do that. And because we never do that, all we get is this just kind of like sliver look at God. We don't really get to see who he really is or experience him fully or experience some of the things we read about in the Bible or hear some of our, our Christian friends talking about. So we need to understand that our part in the cycle of faith is to do whatever God has put right in front of us. Next slide. So you should be asking right now, what's your part in this? And in order to help you figure that out, I'm going to ask you to pull out your cell phone. Pull it out. I know you got one. Okay. And I want you to open up your text messaging app. Okay, something like that. And go ahead and go to the next slide, Don. I want you to put in this number at the top. This isn't a scam. That's my number. I'm going to ask you to do something with this in a minute. Okay, next slide. Here's the thing, and keep your phone out. I'm not done with you yet. Our church is doing a push right now to ask people to do this 12-week study called Experiencing God. And, and I'll tell you right now, I think you should do it if you can. And it is hard it is not hard in terms of like this is a lot of stuff to cram in my brain, but it will take you a couple hours a week between coming to class and doing the daily work. It will take you some time. It will take you some effort. And a lot of people don't ever do this class because they're like, hey, it's too much effort. Okay. But if you're willing, I will guarantee you that God will respond. So I'm going to play Paul Harvey right now and tell you the rest of the story. When I... Um, when I was coming to faith in Christ, I, I was at church on a Sunday morning, and we were leaving, and a friend of mine named Mark said, Hey, Dan, we're going to see you experiencing God tonight, right? Because I already said, yes, I will go to this. But I'd already thought up here, no way. Too much time, too much effort, I'm tired, we got a couple kids, no thanks. Okay? But when Mark said, hey, we'll see you there tonight, I was like, okay, yeah, you will. And once I said to Mark, yes, I will, then I had to go, right? That wasn't an act of faith on my part. That was just, hey, a bro asked me to go, I'm going to go. Okay? But it was God acting because when I went and when Monica and I started to do this course, 
over the, the period of the next 12 weeks, and there was a point about maybe a third of the way through where I sat down in my, my kitchen uh, at the dining room table and I said, God, these people are talking like you're real. Are you? And I opened up my Bible to a psalm that said, I'm real. And that, that was the start for me of everything. And, and it was because... God had pushed me, and then I would said, yes, I will go where you want me to go, and then I had got these things come up in my brain, I was like, I'm going to investigate, and I'm going to ask you, God, are you real? And, and that's when I came to understand that God was who he was. That's when, what set me on the path to become a follower of Jesus. Okay? Now, I'm not guaranteeing that that will happen to you, and some of you have already... Most of you have already put your faith in Jesus. But here's what I will say is I've done this class probably four or five more times since then. Every single time, God has shown up. He's, he's done something through this class in me. And it's not because this, uh, this experience in God's study is all that. It's because it's an investment of faith in God. And if you're willing to do it, okay, he will respond to that willingness. Next slide. So here's what we got going on. Our primary push is to get everybody here on Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8 p.m. If you've got littler kids, uh, the Valley Bible actually runs a a Bible study for them or a a Bible activity thing uh, up there, and and you could drop your kids off there. That's why we're doing it for an hour and a half instead of two hours so the timing lines up. So so you want to sign up and come on Wednesday nights for the next 12 weeks with one week off for Thanksgiving and do this study. Or uh, if you're college and career age, if you're, you're kind of at college age, you're part of this group, they're going to be doing the same thing on Thursday nights. Okay? Or if you can't make Wednesday night, you come on Sunday morning at 9, from 9 to 10.30 in place of our, our Sunday school hour, you do that. And we're still going to be running our, our normal Sunday Bible studies. Okay? But here's what I'm encouraging you to do. The reason I asked you to pull out your phone and put my number in there is because I'm challenging you right now, just like my, my friend Mark did, to say yes. So I want you to type in your name and when you're going to come. And I'm serious because I'll use this to help fill out the, the, the sheets. You type in your name and when you're going to come, or you type, type in thanks but no thanks, or you type in you ain't the boss of me. Okay? <laughs> I, I don't care what you type in, but type something in. I'm putting you on the spot for a reason because I love you. And I want you to have this opportunity to get pushed out of your comfort zone and into something that I think is going to make your life way better. And, and, and I understand, next slide please, John. I understand that not everybody can do this. For whatever circumstances God has put in your life, maybe this is the eighth time you've considered doing this study. You're like, hey, I've had enough of that, whatever. But here's what I want you to think about is that you have a part of faith to play right now. God is moving you towards something. I probably don't even have to say anything more. You probably already know what it is. It may be like saying, hey, to your son that's that supposed to move away, hey, son, go ahead and move away. Go to college. Uh, I'll deal with the fact that I'm, I'm going to be missing you. Or, or maybe your, your, your daughter's family is supposed to move away. You're like, okay, go ahead and take my grands, grandkids with my blessing and move to Timbuktu. Okay? Or maybe you're like, hey, I'm, I'm in this relationship that... God says, do something different. Start something that I haven't started or stop something that I've already started. Okay? So, so I don't know what it is that God wants you to do in faith, but I, I will guarantee 
one thing, if you step out in faith, that God will honor that. And I will say that probably another thing is true as well, is that it's scary. Usually when God calls us to a point of stepping out in faith, it's risky. And that's always how it is. And if you're willing to take that risk, you will reap the rewards of drawing closer to God. You will experience the fruit of faithfulness that comes from having taken a risk, trusting in God to show up, and seeing God show up after you've done that. So I encourage you to come to experiencing God if you can. I encourage you to take whatever step it is that God's leading you to because God is faithful. And when we are willing to trust him, he shows up and shows that he is faithful. And the next time, it's much easier to trust him. And that's, that's at the essence of the faithful Christian life is, is learning to trust things that are not seen. Next slide. So here's what I hope you walk away from. God wants you to enjoy the fruit of, fruit of faithfulness. He wants you to have all of him. If you will trust God, if you will take those risks, take those next steps, sacrifice Netflix or video games or finances or whatever it happens to be, if you will do that, you will experience God fully, and it will be absolutely awesome. Hard, but good and awesome. And if you will not, you'll wonder, why is it that it seems like the Bible talks about so much that I don't understand or know or experience? And the answer will be because God is saying, move over here, and you get all of me, and you won't move. That's my challenge to you. Move. Wherever God wants you to move, move. And he will prove himself to be faithful, and he will grow your faith. Let's pray.